In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode <laughs> of the IndieCast After Dark. Uh, Chad Allen, Zach Romero here. Chad, say hello. <laughs> Zach sucking down a white claw before the episode starts up here. It's been one of those days, Chad, my boy. It's been one of those days. We gotta. I can understand one of those days. I can also need to understand why we're not getting you something harder than it is. That's all I had in the house. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's no screwball, uh, screwball whiskey or anything like that. What was no, the whiskey you drank in the? Uh, you were drinking in the the Spookly episode of your. Uh, oh, Christ, of, I don't remember. Probably uh, it was probably. I don't know if it's screwball or not. I'll have to look it up remember. later. Um. You definitely had a big but, old bottle uh, of whiskey there that you sucked out yes. for that episode, though. So yes, uh, and anytime I ever drink any kind of booze on camera, I always shudder like a big puss. But nevertheless, so <laughs> uh, hello everybody and welcome to another episode hey. of Indiecast After Dark. Uh, no guests this week. Uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a stretch of no guests. We've got some stuff kind of happening behind the scenes, and so um, as we near our eighth goddamn anniversary. God damn right. Um, we're going to just kind of be chillaxing a little bit and just sort of, uh, you know, kind of reintroducing everybody to uh, our, our zany antics before going back to uh, hitching our wagons onto bigger names and trying to get people to listen. <laughs> exactly. Um, Don't worry, though, everybody. The guests the guest will quickly come back. I've uh, I've already got a few people that have already kind of talked to me about wanting to be on. So it's just a matter of making it work. But uh, they'll be back. Don't worry. Right. But- but as we did last week, uh, it is time for me to derail. Oh the shit! Episode. And so this is actually going to connect to something we talked about last week. Okay. Something that I was particularly passionate about. <laughs> and in the sequel discussion for it, I will start by saying, "Fuck me," I guess. Um. <laughs> so last week. I rambled like a fucking crazy person about the Kickstarter for Mr. Science Theater. Right. And the return and yada, yada, yada and all that. And, oh, my God, Joel's such an asshole and Riff Tracks is so much better and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and now I saw this this morning. We're 48 hours left to go. They've raised $4.7 million mm-hmm. and fucking Riff Tracks signed off on them today. And yep. was like, yeah, we're going to throw in bonuses too because this project seems pretty kick-ass. And I'm like, well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> the the poor, This segment would be called Fuck Zach, we guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck me, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, no, that's, that's a, a kick in the pants. Um, they basically, it sounds like part of the gimmick of the like riff streaming service that they want to make is that they kind of want to compile every spinoff that ever was right. Cause I said that they're trying to get the distribution rights to uh, Mr. As much Mr. Science theater as they can to uh, cinematic Titanic to the film crew to potentially riff tracks and the two mads, which is um, uh, trace and Frank. 
uh, right. Dr. Forster Kiwi's friend. Um, now, not to say that they would be like the only game in town, but it seems like in cases like uh, the the Mads and Rift Tracks, it could be like another content partner because Rift Tracks right. has like a Pluto TV channel and all that other shit. So like, they clearly are not above whoring themselves out to be distributed on other platforms. Which, by the um, way, can I state for the record, I on Pluto, I love Pluto TV. Um, and if they want to sponsor us, please do. And if they want yes. to give us a channel, please do. We have eight years worth of stuff that we can give you. Um, but uh, I have three main channels that I, I go to on Pluto TV. Okay. It is Rift Tracks, yes. which I love, especially when I can catch one of the, the live episodes because I, mm. I love the live ones. Yes. Because um, an audience does make a difference, uh, as wrestling has proved over the last year. That's true. That's um, true. Uh, I have, um, uh, the Adams family cause they have an Adams oh, family channel. Okay. Um, and actually I guess I have a, I really have four because they have Adams family. Then they have an old doctor who channel. Okay. Um, which is wonderful. That shows like old fourth doctor and fifth doctor, like the old, really cheesy, like, you know, mm-hmm. from the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but then it's America's test kitchen. It's nothing but nonstop America's test kitchen. And God damn it. I, I will sit there for hours watching America's Test Kitchen, and I don't know why I had to admit this, but so, I feel so, like I had to so ad- now, admit this to our, our our dozens and dozens. I need you to pitch me on America's Test Kitchen, because I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> okay, so um, America's Test Kitchen is based off of um, a, uh, a magazine, which I believe is also called America's Test Kitchen, or uh, I forget what the name of the magazine is, but um, basically they take a recipe like a big recipe and they'll show you kind of what usually goes wrong with that recipe first. Like you want to make a meatloaf, but your meatloaf constantly comes out dry or it's a brick or it crumbles. We're going to show you we've tested 80 different recipes backstage here before we've even come out here and we've made the perfect version of that recipe. So now we're going to show you what the perfect version is. That's going to come out great every single time. Um, and that's what they, but then they'll do like, they'll do bits where they'll uh, review, uh, you know, what's the best, you know, pepper mill out there right now. Now, mind you, these episodes are all old, so who knows? Like, you know, the, a lot of them are from like the '90s and 2000s, so who knows how much of these products are still out there? Or like, who has the best mayonnaise? And they've done like mayonnaise test tasting, so they can figure out who's the best mayonnaise on the market, type of deal. So, um, they do all sorts of shit like that. But yeah, it's mostly the we've. You know, we found the best way to make chocolate chip cookies. And here's the fucking recipe that we we've went through every Turns other. Turns out that the secret ingredient is semen. Um, right. Exactly. Interesting. OK. That one was it was it was unsalted butter and semen. You got to oh. balance it somehow. So <laughs> you you were so like optimistic about that answer. I believed you for a half a second. I was like, <laughs> you really? For you for real? Good salesman, this Chad. Thank you. Uh, well, now I have to reveal mine. So obviously yes. uh, for my, for I... Luna and I. I have derailed your derail, by the way. I fucking did. Uh, Our four channels are um, Rift Tracks, Mystery Science Theater. Um, Yes, there are two separate channels, basically, with the same gimmick. I have that one on my. I have that one on my favorites too. I just, okay, for, so, some, for some reason, I go Rift Tracks more than I go MST3K though, and I, I don't know why that is. Um, exactly. With Rift Tracks, they kind of get into a groove where like they're sort of just grabbing all over the place. With Mystery Science Theater, they kind of get stuck in these clumps where 
it's like, oh, for the next week and a half, it's going to be all like early season two stuff when you're like, like the movies are just like so boring. Right. Um, they don't really quite mix like as much as I think they would like, but I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so Mr. Sensei Rift Tracks, uh, the, um, oh, what the fuck is it called? Um, Unsolved Mysteries Channel with Robert oh, Stack. Okay. And um, it's not the game show network, but it's it's basically the is game that show Buzzer? Network. Buzzer, there you go. Yes. No game problem. Show Network has a channel on there too, though. Yeah, but that's all new bullshit. I want I want match game nineteen seventy five. Um, right. That's what Buzzer's got. So uh those are and then uh we also have uh the Gordon Ramsay Hell's Kitchen uh channel. That yeah, which, I don't I don't have that I did, bookmarks I never used to watch Hell's Kitchen. I always preferred Kitchen Nightmares, but Kitchen Nightmares wrapped up already, like years and years ago. They don't make episodes of that anymore. So at least right. like sometimes there's new episodes of Hell's Kitchen. I'm like, ah, oh, he's yelling at people. That's what I came here for. Well, um, then, let me ask you this: for the Kitchen Nightmares, are they showing the U.S. version that used to be on Fox, or are they showing the the BBC version? Uh, it's both. They mix it's it up. Both. Okay. However, if I can jump to other thing that we should be getting paid for to be putting over, um, I just got turned on to. Tubi. So did I. And they actually have a whole fucking Gordon Ramsay section where they have it you pick and play. It's not like a streaming constantly thing like Pluto is. Right. And they've got every fucking episode of Kitchen Nightmares that there ever was, including the weird like half season at the end when it was like um it was all British owned company. It was all British owned restaurants. I think in Spain or okay. something like that. But it was almost framed like a vacation thing, but it was like, oh, all of these restaurants are all owned by British people, but they all are in different parts of Spain. Because they're like trying to capture tourists kind of thing from England. Okay. Suck. Um, so that that was so that I've watched the shit out of that. And then also Tubi has like some real deep cuts on some like old shitty VHS titles, which is really like mm, very good. I'll have to dig deeper into Tubi. I did I did discover Tubi myself recently, and um, what was it that I found? I found a treasure trove of Bill Hicks um, stand up. Um, Interesting. So let's talk a... about let's talk about stand up for a second. So okay. um <laughs> so uh, I, I I recently had somewhat of a panic attack. Okay. Because um we picked up uh Paramount Plus. Okay. What used to be um, like CBS. No, CBS. I think CBS still has its own thing, but now this is spun out into it. I think you can still get a CBS. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. But anyways. I think they, I think they rebranded because they've got all the Star Trek stuff, right? Right. So that's CBS. Yeah, that's CBS. They just, re, they just rebranded to Paramount Network so they could but, incorporate in other shit. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's more of like a Viacom Yes, Paramount kind of thing because Absolutely. they've got a bunch of Nickelodeon shit and all this other stuff. Um, so I've been watching a lot of Double Dare, but um, but there's also a Comedy Central uh, section. Okay, and they have every Comedy Central presents that was ever made. Amazing. And I had a bit of a panic attack because I'm like, oh no. People are going to watch this and realize that I'm not actually funny, that I just basically built my personality on 
watching episodes of Comedy Central Presents in high school instead of going to parties and talking to girls. Um, Because I definitely did. And so talking about comedians, who are who are stand-up comedians that you so bill hicks i've listened to a little bit of bill hicks really mostly just because people say that he's he faked his own death and that he's actually alex jones which he's definitely not right uh, now but uh but sell me uh pitch me on hicks bill hicks is um Bill Hicks is the next iteration of people like Carlin. Okay. Um, he is, he's in that same vein of, of George, I, I, him and Carlin, George Carlin, I think if they didn't know each other, probably would have gotten along swimmingly. Um, both very direct, both willing to talk about stuff that was going on at the, at the time, both very topical. Um, uh, both with a very much don't give a shit attitude. Um, I'm trying to think of the one that I was just watching recently. There's one, um, cause he's got a few different specials. I, I know he, had, he has one called sane man, which I was watching, which was wonderful, but he's got one um, where he is in, like he comes out in a, like a duster and a cowboy hat. And when the, like this, this, curtain kind of opens up for him and it's like flames behind him. And it's a whole, like the whole pitch of it is like, this is the the revel. I think it's called Bill Hicks revelations now that I think about it. Um, But it um, like, he just had no care in the world about who he offended, what he said. Um, And um, there's actually rumor that uh, Dennis Leary, especially for, his no cure for cancer album ripped off a lot of Bill Hicks's stuff. Wow. Um, okay. All uh, right. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love, I love Leary too, but um, yeah, no. And it was at Bill Hicks revelations uh, and that came out in 93 um, and it was recorded out in London, but yeah, he definitely, he definitely talked about like just kind of the hypocrisy. Like one of my favorite things about that one is uh, that one, especially as he talks about at the beginning about um he's sitting in a waffle house by himself one day having something to eat. It was like after a show or something like that. And he's reading a book. Um, and the, apparently the waitress comes up to him and goes, huh, what you, what you reading for? And he's telling good barely goes, what, what am I reading for? Not, not what am I reading? I've heard that question before, but what am I reading for? Very interesting that you mentioned that. Um, well, maybe it's so I don't become a fucking Waffle House waitress like you. And, oh my God. Um, and that's like the type of stuff that he would, he would go with and do. And just, I, I, I don't think I could sell him enough. It's definitely one of those talents that, that left us way too early. Um, and probably could have been bigger. And I think sometimes got in his own way. Mm. Um, but uh, cause I know like he got like kicked off a letterman once and like he had a whole bunch of crazy shit that was going on with his life. But, uh, but no, absolutely genius. Um, who are some of the other people that I, cause I love stand up. I could go on for days on stand up. I've seen Lewis black in concert two or three times now. Amazing. I saw I, my, my big, like <laughs> is I saw, uh, I've seen Mitch Hedberg. Uh, so have I. Stephen Lynch. I've not um, seen Lynch. I would love to see Lynch. 
John Mulaney, uh, Tom Segura, Todd Glass, Louis C.K. Um, um, I wonder, is it one more? That might be it. Okay, so do me a favor. We're going to back, we're going to turn this around a little bit. Sell me on John Mulaney. Um, I've got a lot because he's he's the one that everybody memes up lately, right? Yes. yes. Okay. I I haven't seen him, but I I don't know. There's something about him that is turning me away currently. So I think I need somebody to sell me a little bit before I. It is sit very, down I will I time. will agree with you on this. It is very strange that young people like John Mulaney, um, like TikTokers like John Mulaney and things like that. Right. And I'm like, mm, that's interesting. Um, but. He's a very good storyteller and the best way to kind of like explain, I think his, okay. So one of my all time favorite bits of his is he talks about being a kid in Chicago and uh, going to this old diner that was, you know, this little hole in the wall diner in his neighborhood. And it had a jukebox in the diner. And this is, uh, he's, 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 oh, I believe older than, than I am. So he's, you know, this is a while ago. Technology is not quite where it needs to be in terms of like jukebox technology. Right. Um, so it's one of those ones where you just throw money in it and then like it, you're, you're getting top priority. It's not like now where you can have it on an app and whatever the fuck. Right. So it's something along. I don't remember the exact details, but basically he and his friend had gathered all this money and they put like $7 in the fucking jukebox and they picked like 11 songs, 11 choices of Tom Jones's what's new pussycat. Nice. And he goes into this whole description about how at first you don't really notice it, like you're like oh this song's kind of going on a while but by the end it becomes such a psychotic breakdown of at, like somebody ends up like having a fit like there's a dad like a dad like slams his fist to the table and starts losing his shit like people just start going bananas and then it, it's a really fantastic bit but kind of the analogy I would look I would think is you know he's got this boyish sort of charm to him. Like he's perpetually almost like he's like 16 kind of thing of like, Oh, there's a little scamp, but he's like, got, he has like a drinking problem and has lived a very crazy life. Just being someone like just being a comedian through and through, but not looking the part is kind of the best way. I think I would sell it to you. Okay. Um, and very, he's very got a lot of fun. Um, also, I think how he talks is is kind of he's got an interesting cadence and an interesting way, kind of like Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg, right. his jokes were very like structured as jokes, very one linery sort of stuff. Where if another comic did it, you would be like, what the fuck? But just the way that Mitch Hedberg talked and presented himself made things that would normally kind of be like eh, it's a little funny into hysterical. And so I think John Mulaney kind of has a little bit of that too. Okay. I will, so I will have to try to because I know he's got shows on Netflix, so I'll have to bring up one of his specials and try to give him a yeah. give him more of a shot on that one. Um, 
trying to think who else I've seen live. I've seen Jim Norton live a few times, and okay. if you like really like raunchy humor, little Jimmy's the I, way to go. I will say my all-time favorite raunchy humor comedian, without a doubt, is Dave Attell. Attell is somebody that um, I, I like. I don't want to like, but every time I see him, I do. He actually, um, oh god, what is the name of this? He had a a little special show on Netflix. Uh, I'm going to try to find the name of it and you should definitely look it up because it was funnier than hell. Um, and it was him and somebody else. Um, I will say that Dave Attell is for as filthy as, as my mouth is, there are things like he will make me ugly laugh with just some of the absolute, just disgusting things that he has joked about. Um, and also I should also, you know, honorable mention, of course, um, Dave Chappelle, um, all of his stand up is, is just fantastic. Um, I've watched all of, uh, Tom Segura's specials and love them. Uh, Burt Kreischer's okay. He makes me laugh. Um, yeah, there it is. It's called, it's called bump, uh, bumping mics. Uh, and it is uh, Jeff Ross and Dave Attell. Okay, that's a that's a potentially winning um, combination. And it's them just like they're just, and they have other comedians that come on with them. But it's them just basically like taking shots at each other. Um, okay. And whenever they kind of hit each other with a with a particularly good zinger, that's their thing. They they bump mics with each other. It's like you know, like clinking a glass together. Um, and they've got one that's got. Um, Gilbert Gottfried on there with him and um, like just all sorts of weird people on there. But no, that one was really good. Bumping, bumping mics um, was the name of that one. And that's on Netflix. And I, I highly recommend giving that one a view. Um, I'm trying to think there's one other comedian that I've, I'm trying to remember who the hell it was that I've seen. Oh, cause um, Shelly and I were talking about this recently. We got to see um, uh, uh, um, Charlie Murphy. Oh, interesting. But we got to see him in absolutely the weirdest place ever. We got to see Charlie Murphy do stand up at midnight at a at a gathering. He played a gathering of the Juggalos, and they were doing midnight comedy. And one of the people that they hired was Charlie Murphy, and he was absolutely hysterical. Mm. Um, uh, and was talking about like, you know, how he was actually getting into the concerts, but then was like rehashing and telling some of the stories from, you know, all the stories that they told on like Chappelle show when they did the, mm-hmm. you know, the, you the know, Charlie you Murphy, know, true Hollywood stories. Yeah. Fuck your couch stuff and stuff like that. He told, he told extended versions of all of those stories. And we, I remember everybody was dying, but there was, I don't know. We were all like standing up in a freaking like, you know, kind of big tent that they were doing all sorts of weird like you know uh, seminars and stuff like that in and that was but that's where charlie murphy did stand up and he was great so um but yeah i and like i like a lot of the older you know a lot of older specials too like you know if you can catch a good you know richard Pryor special he's still hysterical the eddie murphy yes. stuff is still hysterical the uh yeah, i was gonna say if luna was in this conversation it would be uh eddie murphy raw 110 yeah uh built any almost anything with bill burr 
Bill um, Burr's very good. I yes, friggin' love Bill Burr, and I think he's absolutely hysterical. And when he showed up on The Mandalorian, I think was the I, I think that made me laugh almost harder than anything else because it's like, hold up, Bill Burr's on this, um, and just being Bill Burr. Right. Hold on, I'm being yelled at. What, Luna? Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, of course. Uh, tell her. Can't no, forget. tell her to come in and talk on the mic. I, I'm afraid to. Okay. Uh, Luna, Chad says you have to get on mic if you're going to share that. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, hey, welcome welcome back to the show, God damn it! I know. It's like, what, the first time this year? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Luna, Lynn, mean, Luna Lynn, everybody. She is on the hey. show every once in a fucking while. So, no. Tell, What's talk, up, Sluts? So no, tell us. Yeah, so go ahead and give your uh, your your comedy comedy stand up rundown. Well, I hear, uh, and just for a side note for folks at home listening in, um, I always hear Zach's half of the podcast. I could be in another county and still hear Zach's half of the wow. podcast. Wow. Um, okay. So every once in a while, I will hear him talking about a subject, and I have to interject. And so obviously, I heard you guys talking about comedians, and so I'm just screaming from the other room. What about Dice? Because I fucking love, for all of his problematicness, Andrew Dice Clay. And I feel like he's worth mentioning. So, okay. So here's my thing with uh, Dice and Kinnison. Mm-hmm. And now, don't get me wrong, when because that was always like the battle at that time frame. was Andrew Dice Clay had his people, Sam Kinnison had his people. And I definitely fell very much on the side of Kinnison. I was a huge Kinnison fan. I used to love Kinnison because that's like, that's what, 93, 94. Yeah. I'm in like high school. Like Sam Kinnison was speaking my language at that time frame. Have you gone back <laughs> and watched any of that shit recently? Uh, fairly recently. And um, I feel like uh, between the two of them that Kinnison definitely ages better. Because like, right. and honestly, as much as I love Dice, I do think that Kinnison is a better comedian. But yes. I just love everything about Dice. I love the gaudy jacket. I love the cigarette behind the head. The, oh, yeah. like it's everything about it is just like it, the New Yorker I've always wanted to be. Oh, it's definitely the and like they both hit the gimmick beautifully. They hit oh, their yeah. gimmicks beautifully. And like because like Kinnison with the the jacket and the the beret yeah, and the, yeah. the the preacher you know aesthetic to it, like the the way he used <laughs> to present so something. He's like a but, serpent. Holy fuck, though, is Kinnison stuff. I wa- I tried to watch one recently. Oh, my God, is it cringy as shit now in, like, 2021. Well, no, and was... I hate to say I hate to say that, yeah. too, because I fucking love Sam. But, eesh, is it cringy right now yeah, to listen to it. Yeah, I mean, like, Dice's stuff doesn't age much better. But right. I think the cringiest one that we watched was actually a Dennis Leary stand-up. Yes. Because it was True. so fucking, like... Whatever the male equivalent of a Karen is, like he's making right. fun of Starbucks drinks and the like. Oh, I just right. want a coffee, not your grande fonde mocha loca whatever bullshit. Right. And you're like Dennis, man, come on, like you gotta give me something here. Like I don't know what technology is, kind of shit. And you're like Dennis, right. please, you're so good, please stop it. <laughs> right. So no, like I said, yeah, Dyson, Dyson, Sam are definitely. Dennis, I think still think no cure for cancer holds up, even though, like I was telling oh, it's Jack a little while ago, yeah. um, a lot of there's always been a big rumor that a lot of what he does in no cure for cancer is ripped off from Bill Hicks's stuff. Oh, um, really? Who I'm, that. yeah, no, look that up sometime. The you know, especially a lot of the smoking things, yeah, um, because Bill Hicks was a big smoker too, and used to do a lot of like smoking talking in there yeah and like did a a jim fix joke uh about you know jim fix you know being the biggest jogger in the world died while jogging having heart attack um 
and they both do very similar jokes to that one. And a lot of people looked at Leary and kind of went, isn't that what Bill Hicks said over here? Like three years yeah. before that. So, um, Oh, cringy comedians though. Gotta love them. But yeah, oh, no, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I wish that stuff had held up a little bit better. So. Oh, definitely. But yeah, um, Andrew Dice Clay bought me out of my podcast hiatus. So I thought that was very important to include. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I will tag Dice and thank him for bringing you out of the out of out of podcast hiding so that you could you could join the show again. So, yeah. well, in a quick sidebar, like uh, for I don't remember what it was for. I think it might have been in building up for Mother's Day. So Dice has a cameo account, of and course. so I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna get Dice to do a video for my mother because she loves Dice. But it was like this motherfucker's charging like three hundred and fifty dollars. For, I was like, sir, like, granted, your dice, but like, come on, your dice are like 2021. Like, you could at least humor me with like 50, 75 bucks. A hundred, I would have been willing I, to splurge, but I was like, absolutely not, my guy. I will be honest. I, um, I was looking at, I love going through Cameo and just seeing who the hell they have on there and how much exactly. they're charging. That's like a, a wonderful pastime for me some days. Um, <laughs> right. I'm just like, what does this motherfucker charge? But the, uh, and it sometimes it is it's like, first off, who is this motherfucker and why are they charging this? Because exactly. um, I don't even know who some of these people are. But um, I had one because Mother's Day was coming up and um, obviously we live with my mother-in-law and mm-hmm. Smokey Robinson is on Cameo. Oh, wow. Went, well, my mother-in-law loves old Motown shit. That would be, that would be amazing. $450. Oh my God. It's not like he's going to come over and like do your dishes. Like it's a video. And interestingly enough, that was kind of the comment that was made. It's like for $450, Smokey Robinson better come in and sing tears of a clown and walk out the door right after (laughs) that. To me personally in my living room. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, $450 for him just to say, Hey, on a, a video call, that's friggin' ridiculous. Um, Though my favorite one is on Cameo is uh, because of what he charges is uh, MJF from AEW. Yeah. Legitimately charges $500. Oh, my God. And then if you are going to pay it, first off, good job staying in gimmick. Like, yeah, I don't really want to do this, but if you're going to do it, you're going to pay for it. Um, But then, like, if you do it, it's just him fucking insulting you for the entire the entire cameo and that's just wonderful unto itself too because i love anybody that understands themselves enough to be like i'm going to make you pay for it and i'm going to insult you the entire time and i think oh that's, definitely I think like that's you said great. that kind of commitment to the gimmick across the board like you right. gotta really want it and oh you're gonna get it like Jesus you're definitely Christ. gonna get it yeah. okay There's well just... i will give you back to zach and uh, okay. i'll be on the show again someday there you go little in everybody it's me goodbye <laughs> Yeah, you can I didn't even it. talk about the adult Pee Wee Herman show on HBO. Well, that yeah, adult... he didn't do, like a whole stand-up career. He just that was the original iteration and of kind the of show. A stand-up show. Well, yeah, but like that was its OG form, and then it evolved into like actually for kids and not mirrors on the shoes looking up Missy Bond's dress. But yeah. you know that um, that it's... HBO Pee Wee Herman show actually. Um, from what I remember is based off of something that he was doing with, I think second city. That would make sense. Um, cause I think that's kind of where that started was it was a, um, it was a character he'd started in, I think it was in second city I, and I'm trying to find that, that makes sense. too. I would buy uh, that. Which by the way, apparently, um, the Pee Wee Herman show is on, uh, is on HBO max. Interestingly enough. So, Excellent. Excellent. um, so if you ever want to find that special, I think it's, I think it's on there, but, um, 
but yeah, that was, so I think that's kind of where Pee Wee started and that became something based off of that. So I think that's interesting too, but, and Phil Hartman was in that one. Obviously. Yes. As so. Captain Carl. Uh, and uh, when he gets to the bathroom, he doesn't wash his hands. That's right. Um, so uh, as sort of a jumping off point here, yeah. the, the one piece of, uh, of media that I own of, uh, Andrew Dice Clay is I own a VHS copy of Ford Fairlane, which is which is surprisingly a good movie. I think so too, <laughs> but it's not a good movie if you don't go in already liking Andrew Dice Clay, right? Because he's literally just himself. No, because you know what my favorite my I, I can tell you back in the day, especially uh, my me and my my brother Kenny. Um, one of our favorite things to say to each other every once in a while is we were like leaving or having a drink or something like that is directly from Ford Fairlane. And it's, it's, it's a very simple line. It's here's to you suck in my tech. And I don't know why that always made us laugh, but that did. And that became quite the little joke between me and Kenny for the longest time was, well, hey, that we're going to have to bring that back. I don't give a shit if we're canceled. We're going to bring that back. There we then, go. Uh, <laughs> and then the lot similarly, the line that made like, I'm watching this movie on VHS, and I'm like, "Woof! This is what are we what are we doing?" And at one point, uh, Andrew Dice Clay like shoots a bad guy or knocks a bad guy out or whatever, and it's like a big dramatic hero thing. And these two like you know ladies are like, "Ooh!" And <laughs> his like one liner after he shoots is like, "Yeah, Dirty Harry, I fucked him." And <laughs> <laughs> that was so absurd for like such an easy setup of like, oh, he's really cool to just suggest like, yes, this fictional cop, I had sex with him. And that's why I'm so cool. I had sexual relations with him. But... I, had, I had a gay relationship with him. And that's why I have amazing aim. Like I was like, that is very funny. So let me ask you this, because now obviously me and Luna decided this almost could be another question. Were you more Team Dice or were you more Team Sam Kennison? Because I think that's um, the, that's the split. I think I did. You're 100 percent correct. That's a, that's absolutely the split. Um, but I didn't really because '88 is when I was born, and that was like uh, right when Dice and them both were kind of really hitting their peak. Turned to fucking dust right now. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Bye. Uh, you are a mummy. Um. So. I didn't really get into them until way after the fact. Um, I do agree with the assessment that Sam Kinison was probably a better comedian. Um, but I would say that I think I, although both were very strong with their gimmicks, I think I prefer dice because his, he's somewhat more I feel like he's somewhat more quotable okay for as absurd as he was just like we talked about with Mitch Hedberg and maybe John Mulaney a lot of Sam Kinison's magic was in his cadence right so like you could do a Sam Kinison impression but if you saw like a Sam Kinison quote written down on a piece of paper you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, Sam Kinison. Um, but with Andrew Dice Clay saying, here's to you sucking my dick, Christ. you'd be like, that seems like an Andrew Dice Clay quote. So I guess I lean a little bit more towards Dice because 
in certain circles he could be quoted more as it was Sam Kinison. It's like, well, I have to scream now because that's the punchline is, oh, 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 screaming very loud. Right. Now, better, better overall movie performance. Dice and Ford Fairlane, which I do realize that was his movie. Yes. Or Sam Kinison and Back to School. I was just going to say, as the teacher in Back to School. Um, I think that should have been, like, that should be a thing, in my opinion. Like, instead of taking stand-ups or people from SNL and, like, trying to make them a star, they should do, like, like Phil Hartman, for example. There are so there's um, some amazing parts of Phil Hartman played where he just was it and that was that and it was like yeah he's the man, but there were so many more roles where he just like showed up and you were like what the fuck like uh in the Smash Holiday Classic Jingle All the Way, he's like <laughs> the shitty neighbor who's trying to fuck Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife right like or um in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure he's the guard you know, tour guide or whatever. Like there's so many roles that he was in or, or no, he, in it's, uh, in so I married an ax murderer. He's like the fucking guarded Alcatraz or some shit. Like he was, he would pop up in so many amazing roles and could play anything. And I feel like that's a really great sort of direction for comedians to go. Like Sam Kinison and back to school is fantastic. And if he had done that, even if it's just like, oh, he's Sam Kinison in blank movie, I think that would have been amazing as opposed to, okay, well, it worked for Mike Myers, so now everyone has to be like the guy. And it's like, right. hey, some of them just aren't ready for that. And that's fine. Um, not everybody can be like a Will Ferrell and be like, oh, I'm the leading actor guy. Sometimes right. it's like, oh, no, they're going to steal every movie they're in instead and make a lucrative career doing that. Right. So I would give it to Sam Kinison because Back to School is a much better movie uh, than Fort Fairlane. It, it, it is. That's... When, as soon as fucking Rodney Dangerfield hits the triple Lindy, you're like, and this is why we fucking make movies, folks. That's this right. is the whole fucking reason. No, better when Rodney Dangerfield... When that better Roddy was drinking himself to death trying to make art. This is what he was trying to figure out was how to do the triple Lindy. That's right. Now better Rodney Dangerfield movie back to school or Caddyshack. Oh, Caddyshack a thousand percent. But okay. But that's not a that's not really like I wouldn't say that's a Rodney Dangerfield led movie, even though he's sort of the one that they kind of put the name on. And I think that's right. I think it's probably the reason why it got made was because like the star power of Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. But that's more of an ensemble piece, in my opinion. Whereas back to sure. school, it's like without Rodney Dangerfield, you have no movie. That, right. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else. Is it Robert Downey Jr. in that movie too? That's and like one of Robert Downey Jr.'s first movies. In his diapers, Rod, Robert Downey still very much on coke, I believe. I'm Robert sure. Downey Jr. is in that movie, and <laughs> that's the movie that brought us Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. That was on. The also, that's right. That is that is on that soundtrack, isn't it? Yes. What a great fucking movie that is. I'm sorry. So, oh, uh, as a quick aside here, one thing that I've seen pop up recently is the like they call they have fancy names for it, like a spec map or like oh theory, but 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 just like bullshit fucking wouldn't this be cool map 
for Halloween Horror Nights because we're halfway to Halloween. Halloween Horror Nights in uh, California has been like okay. making sound. And one of the houses that they've suggested is back is to school. Back to school with the dead Roddy Dangerfield. <laughs> um, Doing the triple indie. <laughs> triple indie into a vat of blood. It's nice. very, very artsy. Um, it's a fucking Bauhaus video. Um, the uh, Which I have something to say about that in just a second. Uh, one of the houses that they suggest in this, like, here's our best guest map, is some one of them based on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Really? Which I would be very interested in. I think that has a lot of potential, that you could do a lot of interesting things by making that a haunted house. That that, that movie has come up a lot on this show, though. So that's, yes. that is a, a, a much-discussed movie on this show. Yes. So that's... Um, however, just like, you know, when the movies were coming out and the sequels and all that stuff, Universal firmly skipped over three. They did a house based on the first one, a house based on the second one, then jumped to four and maybe even five. Um, and to suddenly jump back to three is very surprising to me. If, if true, because that's not really a movie that they talk about much. Now, pop culturally, that's a movie that I think has grown in popularity. I think it's come full yeah. circle to the point where there are people who claim that it's better than the original, um, which I don't agree with. But to suddenly have Universal shift gears like that is is very surprising to me. But also, if that is the case, then fucking how bad is Halloween H2O if... When it came to that being the next house, they were like, uh, why don't we why don't we do the one with bugs? Why don't we go back and do the bug one instead? Like, that's not good. I think I think part of it though is I think you're hitting absolutely the the reason behind it though. I think because in the past and I've noticed in the past few years, um, there has been this weird resurgence of people going, you know, Halloween three, not that especially like and, and I think and again, I know we've said this a bunch of times. If that was brought up as anything other than a Halloween movie as a Halloween movie. If it wasn't called Halloween three, probably would have been it would have still been it's it's a great horror movie. The problem is it gets compared so much to you know because Michael Myers isn't in it that it gets compared so much to that that that's where I think the problem with that movie happened for the longest time. But I've seen a lot of stuff lately, especially when Halloween rolls around of those silver shamrock masks and things like that starting, mm-hmm. you know, getting sold and so, no, I think I think they're they're just finally getting smart and realizing that there's a uh, there's money there's to a, be made, a bit of a push there and money to be made. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's probably the reason because yeah, I think Trick or Treat Studios. I want to say like either last year or two years ago released um, official masks from the third movie, and yeah. I know they sold really well. Um, so yeah, I do think people are finally kind of coming around to like, hey, this has actually got a an actual cult following, we could probably be making money off this. And so who knows? Like I said, I absolutely think it's, it's, it's completely made for a haunted attraction. I think you could absolutely skip over the stuff that doesn't make sense and just go with like the interesting visuals and stuff. Um, My little Bauhaus joke uh, on Pluto TV, I happened to catch some of original night of the demons. Okay. Which um, I've seen it a couple of times, I think. Um, 
Shout out to Lena Quigley. What is up? Uh, still hot. Still crazy uh, special effect of like a demon possessing her and she can hide things in her boob. That's a very interesting uh, technique. But um, in watching it, I feel like that started, and I haven't done any research, but I feel like that started as a very straightforward like possession slasher kind of movie. And then it feels like that the director kind of just got caught up in their own aesthetic. And then like the movie just sort of became a thing. Right. Because, you know, there's like a scene with, there's like a lot of kind of artsy ish sort of framing of scenes. And, and then like when Angela, the goth girl gets possessed by a demon, there's like a whole fucking goth music video that happens. Like, She's like dancing in a strobe light in a black dress, and there's literally a Bauhaus song playing. And I'm just like, this definitely woke up a lot of people sexually. Like, I could just say that as a blanket statement. There's definitely people who saw that movie and were like, well, now I'm this. But just in terms of like a storytelling element, a movie, I'm just like, hey, what are we doing? Why, why did we why did we stop and have a music video of just this woman dancing? Like, and like it doesn't really serve a purpose. Like they're kind of cuts to a guy who's sort of like, yeah, into it. And then he's like, Ooh, this is kind of weird, but that's it. It doesn't really do anything narratively. It's just sort of like, yes, this is, I yes. If you have these things, these components, why would you not put them to film? But, um, I don't know. That's, it's just an interesting kind of, I was just happened to watch it. And I was like, this is kind of have like a style substance sort of dichotomy going on. Um, which I'm sure I'm going to upset people by saying that, but yeah, it was just something weird. I was like, hmm, okay. You know what I'm interested in because you'd mentioned how seasons of the, seasons of the witch has a, a cult following now. Mm-hmm. Have they ever uh, at Halloween Horror Nights uh, ever tried to do a Rocky Horror House? Not a house. There used to be a stage show. Okay, um, which would make sense. Basically, where the Beetlejuice show was, they would swap it for a uh, a Rocky Horror show, which is basically just sort of a medley of the songs and kind of a you know, quick summary of the movie kind of a thing. And and then right. I think they did a couple of times where like they did sort of like a universal is ripping off fan cast versions um, where they would have the movie being played up on a projector and they right. have their actors like acting along with it. Okay. So it's straight up what the midnight showings are normally. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But in terms of an actual house, I don't think so, but I agree. I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, especially with like how the Ghostbusters house was two years ago and how the, the Beetlejuice house seemingly was um, where it's like not necessarily scary. It's more so like you're just sort of walking through the movie. Right. I think you could probably do that. I mean, you could definitely have some jump scares for Rocky Horror, but um it's just somebody just jumps out and goes, what is sexuality? And the normies are like, ah! Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, no, I think you could, you'd easily have a jump scare of, like, you know, Eddie coming, you know, breaking through the ice. And, you know, I guess that's on a motorcycle, though. So I don't know how crazy they could get with have, that. Uh, but the front of it, you'd have the front true. of it with the light, and the light would kick on, and the noise would, would hit and scare the shit out of people. Well, that could be. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of what other movies you could consider for. Uh, like, what are weird movies that would it would never be considered for a haunted house previously? That 
would be uh, now. I mean, you don't really get much of like the super super independent stuff anymore, right? Um, I mean, they did uh, killer. I mean, because uh, I guess is killer clowns from outer space even considered like an independent? I, mean, it was I would say it was definitely a cult film, but now I think right. it's gotten enough popularity now and enough mainstream appeal that like it's not even cult anymore. It's just considered like, oh, it's a classic horror film. Like, I don't right. know that it even has like a cult. Of... Now, if they did Night of the Creeps, I would be their opening day and I would put right. my little pampers. <laughs> I think a reanimator house would be fantastic. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> surprised they haven't done that they really need to go back to some of the weird but i guess they, they got to find something that's going to be a, a draw to get people in so well i think i think if the killer clowns thing proved anything to us it's that you've got enough of a of a demographic draw from that 80s sort of horror that i think that that's a wise idea i think that's why we go killer clowns we go beetlejuice um maybe monster squad maybe you know that kind of very campy 80s horror i think that aren't just the traditional slashers i think that's probably going to be their moneymaker for a little bit in terms of you know obviously they'll try to do something modern because they were camping on fucking stranger things left and right but in terms of like that 80s nostalgia kick you can't tell me they're not they weren't selling the shit out of merch for beetlejuice and things along those lines oh i'm sure a, a demographic for that But this is all a conversation that I should be having on my other podcast. Yeah. Frightful you failures. Know, I about to say, this might be a good time for you to actually get your shit in, I think. Yeah. So, oh, I think, I think you're right. Um, so definitely uh, check out Frightful Failures. We actually did a gigantic uh, history of Halloween Horror Nights, uh, like, ungodly long, like, four-hour-long episode with all kinds of guests and stuff like that, including some pitches for some other uh, movies that could be made into great houses. Um, And also to plug some merchandise stuff, fully gimmicked has been really pushing uh, some amazing new products recently. Uh, Task force got their teen Titans themed uh, shirt up, which is amazing. And uh, OG teen Titans cartoon, by the way, not uh, teen Titans go as of yet. Um, Give it time um, though. Yeah, give it time. And uh, and then we I was actually going to promote that we dropped the Big Game Leroy, former guest of the IndyCast, Big Damn Game right. Leroy. We dropped um, NES cartridges that we've done for him. And we dropped them the day of this recording, and we have already sold out of all of them. Wow. Which is bananas. Um, well, I guess you're going to need to start painting up more... Yeah, cartridges. More NES cartridges, yes. Um, so, but keep your eyes peeled on fullygimmick.com. We're dropping all kinds of new merch. There's going to be uh, new Ronnie Bass Jr. merch. There's going to be uh, new Gary J. stuff. Um, Jared Diaz just dropped his first shirt with us. Uh, there's all kinds of just amazing stuff coming down the pipeline. We got a new Kylan King shirt that's in production right now that we'll be dropping soon. Um, just all kinds of stuff. All kinds of amazing uh, merch come down the pipeline. So make sure you're you're following Fully Gimmicked on all social media platforms. And uh, follow the IndieCast and the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. And, uh, you know, listen to our sponsors and 
subscribe and give us money and spread the word and yeah yeah and if you've got your own hot takes about any of the wild shit we talked about tonight please feel free to interact with us on social media and uh we'll keep the conversation going yeah while you're on fully gimmick don't forget there's a section there for the wrestling nerds radio network you can find a bunch of our shit there uh so buy indycast shirts team hammerfist shirts um, also, don't forget to go over to the uh, THF Labs section, uh, which is from uh, the evil mind of our uh, our friend Jesse Long, the American dad yes. ass himself, um, which has some more WNRN stuff over there and some uh, some other cool ish. So you should uh, you should go take a look at all of that and uh, let us know if you've bought something because we would love to see it and uh, it'll just make like... us so very happy. It will make us very happy. Let us know that one person out there is listening and cares. Um, yes. And then follow us, uh, like Zach said, uh, at IndieCast, uh, at Team Hamafist, T-E-A-M-H-A-M-M-A-F-I-S-T. Uh, uh, just follow the Wrestling Nerd Network at the WNRN. That's all on Twitter uh, is where you can usually find us um, being obnoxious. So that is where to go. Uh Zach, did you have any? I think this episode is uh, after dark. The derailing of the derailing of the derailing. Yes, episode. the the inception um, of derailing. We actually had like a, a legitimate topic that actually never came up on this episode. So no. maybe we'll bring that up later. We'll see what we'll happens. See. So we'll see. Um, but anything else you want to add before we wind this up? Uh, Brainbuster video. There you uh, go. Add some new uh, employees of the month. We've dropped some new tapes. Um, Doing my, let's see, one, two, third uh, customer uh, request coming up here. Nice. Um, we did uh, Willy's Wonderland. We did um, The Collector. And now we are going to be doing the Rift Tracks classic, Miami Connection. Oh, God. So <laughs> to go along with your copy of Troll 2. So, anyways, uh, Brainbuster Video, go look for us on social media and all that. Oh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll probably be promoting this uh, fairly regularly in, in the coming uh, weeks. But uh, She-Wolf Media and Brainbuster Video will be appearing uh, in the merchandise capacity at Florida's Villain Con, which is uh, coming up in June, I believe. Uh, Saturday, June the 26th at the Wyndham Orlando Resort on beautiful international drive good old i drive and uh it's actually uh located in the heart of icon park which is where the madame tussauds museum and the big ass ferris wheel and soon to be uh gordon ramsay fish shop which i don't even like fish and chips and i'm definitely going to order some from there nice uh, but yeah we'll be there vending so if you're in the area get your tickets and come see us and buy some shit I might actually. I haven't been to a con in quite a while. I might have to make the trip out to that one. Well, make sure you're vaccinated and already please. done. One and done, care. sir. So, All right, vax, vax, waxed and ready to rumble. Oh so. my God! Well, with that being said, thank you all for listening to another episode of the IndieCast After Dark. Uh, I have been one half, one third, I guess, technically, of your hosting team, Sticky Steamboat. <laughs> yeah, and I am uh, Coculus Maximus, and uh, for uh, the uh, occasionally showing up Duchess Von Fingerbang, the, until uh, the uh, Sasquatch sighting esque 
third yes. host. <laughs> until, until next time, everybody, we always say... Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.